Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3 and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then... Feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes. You'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Morning, TK. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You sound uh, good. you sound muted. Like muted, really? Not 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 microphone muted. Just like docile, calm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's been a good holiday. <laughs> I think you've had too much holiday. Got to get. <laughs> you said down. Is that because the market's down today, Tony? Are you down with the market? Oh, not at all. I didn't know I sounded down. No, I'm fine. You good? You okay? Yep. Uh, well, the market is down today. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, the 18th of January. No, yes, 18th of January, 2021. Uh, apparently, the US stock slipped on Friday. Apparently, something to do with Biden's uh, trillion, $2 trillion stimulus package <laughs> that he's announced. Market was like, oh, stimulus? No, I don't know about that. That can't be good. Have to have. It's crazy, isn't it? The. Um the market went up when when you know Biden won the election because he was going to put stimulus in the economy, and now the market's going down because Biden's putting stimulus in the economy. It's, uh, it's a very fickle thing. Buy on the rumor and sell on the fact. Mm, it's just a very fickle thing, yeah. yeah. The share market. Well, there's been I've noticed in the last week or so there's been more chatter about inflation coming into the US in particular next or this year, this calendar year. So I think that's behind it as well. People are worried that uh, stimulating the economy and giving lots of cash to people will start pushing prices up, which will bring inflation back, which will mean interest rates will rise. He's hardly talking about giving people lots of cash. It's uh, two, tr- $2 trillion. Yeah, but how much of it are the people actually getting? I read it was like, uh, I don't know, $1,200 or something. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I think there is some unemployment insurance or unemployment benefits that are going to be slightly increased but um, like in terms of the COVID relief stuff instead of $600 they're getting maybe 1200 
um, out of this. Once off? Or yeah, once a, off. As a payment? Once off. Oh, really? I think so. That's not much at all, is it? <laughs> not compared to what people were getting $3,000 a month here for eight months. Yeah. We haven't had any inflation. <laughs> so, I, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, I don't know. Well, I think uh, what, what I've read was that uh, China, from memory, is forecasting something like 9% growth in GDP this year. And the US forecast is 5%. So those kinds of numbers usually start to lead to inflation at some stage anyway. Right. Mm. Well, uh, And if inflation yeah. happens, we all know what happens. Interest rates go up and then the DCF valuations on Afterpay and Zero and all those kind of companies come down. And uh, there'll be a, a reckoning in the market at some stage. Well, everyone, everyone in the stock forums I'm on have been uh, bitching and moaning today about Afterpay coming down. But as of Friday, Afterpay had a bigger market cap than Telstra. Yeah, exactly. It's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> it is incredible. Good luck to all of those Afterpay shareholders. Yeah, they've had a good year. Bank, bank that one. You might, you might need it in the future. <laughs> Somebody in the Sydney Morning Herald's comment section this morning wrote, selling APT is kicking my ass. I just don't get it. <laughs> oh, gee. Yeah, look, at um, something happened in the US. I forget the name of the company, but another buy now, pay later company uh, had an IPO. Yeah. And it quickly doubled on the first day. And that's what's lit the fire under Afterpay recently. Yeah. I would have thought US investors. I would have thought US competition would have made the argument for <laughs> buying Afterpay <laughs> lesser. But what do I know? Uh, People were like, oh. I think when you go through. When you go through the looking glass, you have a thought, then you reverse it, and that's what happens. <laughs> I think that's what's happening. Yes, it, there's more competition, especially in the US, but our share price goes up here. It's, it's a bit crazy. Speaking of uh, looking through the looking glass, I've seen a lot of my friends on Facebook pumping the hell out of uh, Bitcoin <laughs> recently. <laughs> and these are smart guys, including my mate Chris Saad, who used to be one of the lead developers at Uber in San Francisco. He's now back here in Brisbane. Um, living high on his uh, Uber wealth, but um, he's he's been plugging the hell out of uh, Bitcoin for many years. He's been doing it again recently, and I was uh, <laughs> having a laugh this morning reading a collection of Warren Buffett's uh, quotes <laughs> about Bitcoin. Um, let me read you some of <laughs> Warren's quotes. Uh, this one's from February 2020. Cryptocurrencies basically have no value and they don't produce anything. They don't reproduce. They can't mail you a check. They can't do anything. And what you hope is that somebody else comes along and pays you more money for them later on. But then that person's got the problem. In terms of value, zero. Um, where's the, the really good one, though, was in 2018 at a Fox Business interview, he said he called it probably rat poison squared. <laughs> Oh, that's very colourful and pretty apt too, I think. I like that. Rat poison squared. Back in 2014, he <laughs> said, it's not a currency. does not meet the test of a currency. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not around in 10 or 20 years. It's not a durable means of exchange. It's not a store of value. It's been a very speculative kind of Buck Rogers type thing, <laughs> showing his age, Buck Rogers. And people buy and sell <laughs> them because they hope they go up or down just like they did with tulip bulbs a long time ago. 
In 2018, he said, a rising price does create more buyers and people think I've got to get in on this and it's better if they don't understand it. If you don't understand it, you get much more excited than if you do understand it. <laughs> anyway, it goes yeah, on well, and on. Yeah, that's right. It's true. Yeah. I mean, we, we've tried to listen to the arguments to buy Bitcoin, but they haven't convinced me anyway. Yeah, it always comes back to this whole thing about it's a limited asset. There's a limited mm. number of them, and um, mm -hmm. therefore it <laughs> has value. And as I always say, well, yeah, well, didn't it <laughs> didn't it halve or something last year the number of coins in circulation? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't follow it that closely. Something happened. Yeah, there was some sort of so a thing. Was, yeah, I think I think that lights the fire and that gives it the price increase, and everyone jumps on board and just ramps it up from there. Mm. So um, anyway, we'll see. It's it's way outside my circle of competence or interest, just like uh, well, that's, some of these other tech stocks are. In January 2018, Buffett said, I get in enough trouble with things I think I know something about. Why in the world should I take a long or short position in something I don't know anything about? We don't have to know what coca beans are going to do or cryptocurrencies. We just have to focus on eight or ten stocks. That's really good advice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard enough hard enough to get it right when you're you know working within your circle yes. of competence, let alone when you're not. Yeah, exactly, and uh, and it just reminds me. I mean, Bitcoin seems to survive on people pumping it, so mm. that usually means it's a pump and dump at some stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's not like it's not like you and I use it during our normal you know daily exercises and work and. Uh, or we know people who use it, uh, or we walk down the street and see the Bitcoin shop and can go in and have a look. It's just it's just so far outside of my circle of competence. I've got, I mean, I, I do have an opinion on it, but I've got really no opinion on it as an investment at all. Mm. I don't see it as an investment mm, really. Mm, mm. Well, mm. It, it's similar to that conversation we had about Tesla last week. Like, how do you value it? Uh, I, I really no one I've spoken to including Torsten producer of our film who also produced uh, he's produced two documentaries on Bitcoin now and he's interviewed all the high flyers and Bitcoin around the world I went to see his film with my son Taylor when it his, his uh, second film on Bitcoin when it premiered here in Brisbane last year Taylor and I went to see it and it was probably the year before now and we both walked out of the film going, uh, you know, we, we understand less about it now having seen the film than we did going into it. Like it's, it, 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 came, it, it came across as being even more dodgy as a result of the film than we <laughs> thought it was. But Torsten still thinks it's a great investment vehicle. So anyway. Well, hopefully he got paid last year in Bitcoins because he's worth a lot more now. But, uh, yeah, will it last or not? I mean, the blockchain technology might um, have some uses, but it doesn't seem to have gone too far away from bitcoins and their like but that that might be a use for it but that's not really what you're buying when you're buying bitcoin you're buying the currency not the blockchain technology underneath and as we've discussed before when everyone talks about well there's limited number of them and this and that and the other is well what happens when governments around the world just make it illegal because the yeah. part of the the hype factor around it is well governments can't see it and they're not in control of it and they can't touch it and they can't tax it and they can't do this so what happens when they just go well it's it's illegal you can't do it anymore i mean that's right well and, what and happens then i think that's one of the uses of bitcoin isn't it to transfer money between people who don't want to be tracked well none you of know, us want to avoid tax us, or whether they're criminals or whatever. none of us yeah. want to be tracked <laughs> <laughs> Well, report report their earnings anyway and pay taxes. Yeah. 
Anyway, that's probably enough on Bitcoin. I put it down. I put it alongside uh, baseball trading cards and uh, collectible sneakers. There's things I'm not going to touch. Rat poison squared. That's my go-to quote from now on. <laughs> uh, a question from me, Tony. Somebody asked me this during the week, and I thought oh, that's a good question. Um, if your portfolio is full. Why do you run downloads and buy lists each week? Is it just for our benefit or would you be doing that anyway? I wouldn't be doing it anyway. It's just for uh, the sake of having a stock to talk about on the podcast <laughs> and for the listeners. Right. Um, and I hasten to add that the buy, the, you know, the buy list that I run is not a recommendation list. It's a start for people to do their own research. And there's plenty of questions coming up about the buy list, so it's good that people are starting to think about it as a, a kicking off point for research but yeah no i do it just for um trying to find a stock of the week to talk about really right so in, under yeah. normal circumstances when your portfolio is full and this is what i said to somebody who asked me this i think in an email or on the phone is i think you know once once tony's portfolio is full that's it like there's really you know mm. keeps an eye on how things are going occasionally but uh, unless something's in massive decline there's nothing to do really Correct. Yeah. Yep. And that's sort of that's um, a neat segue into something that I'll talk to people about, which is that the reporting season is coming up in a couple of weeks. So, you know, people should be ready for that because that will be an intense period of downloading into the um, the master spreadsheet and producing buy lists um, potentially every day for a couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, so. You know, um, outside of that period, no, I wouldn't download at all unless, um, unless, as you said, something's happened to the portfolio and I need to think about replacing a stock. Yeah, and mm. that would, and and in the normal course of events, outside of uh, COVID cough, um, how often does that? We've talked about this before, but I think you turn over yeah. about what is it, thirty percent of your portfolio a year. Is that right? Well, no, I think it's more than that. I think it's probably half. Half. I'd say half. Right. But but I would think most of that's going to be uh, in, you know, February, March and August and September when the new figures come out. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's when I'm most active. Uh, but, yeah, things can happen during the year, like a, a bad earnings outlook comes out and, and um, the stock price goes down and breaches our three-point trend line. So I sell it and then I'll do a download and, and replace it. But um, that's about it. Yeah. Mm. Do you have a stock of the week for us, Tony? Oh, I, I have two. And, and the first one is because I was going to make National Tire and Wheel stock of the week and that was in the stock journal on Friday when I downloaded. But I think I've made a mistake. <laughs> and it uh, it hasn't reached its three-point byline yet. It's close. What's its so code? National Tire and Wheel. Sorry? What's the code for it? NTD. I'll bring it up. So that was a new addition to the buy list last week. I think I had a QAB score of about 0.12. And uh, this is obviously what this, the stock name says it all. It sells tyres and wheels, um, particularly to the, the freight sector, to, to uh, semi-trailers. But um, this was a stock that uh, Damien Parker made us aware of Last year, he was um, excited about it, and I hope he bought into it at that time because it was, it's risen ever since. Um, but it was always been below our three-point buy line. It went down heavily in, in the sort of period before that, and now it's on its way back up. Uh, I use my three-point trend calculator spreadsheet to work out what the buy line is, and I put National Tire into the um, into the three-point trend line calculator spreadsheet 
last year when Damien first raised it with me. And uh, so that's why I got a, um, a breach of the byline last week because I was, but, but unfortunately I was using a high point that's now scrolled off the end of the graph mm. and the new high point replacing it's a bit lower. So the, the, um, the byline's raised a little bit. So the whole, the whole byline's flattened out a bit. It was steeply down or steeper down in the past, but now um, that original high point scrolled off over the last six months. So it's not too far from its buy price. The buy price is going to be around $1.15. So I've set an alert in Stock Doctor for that. So, but people might still want to have a look at it. It's a, it's a good company, scores well on the quality side of things. Uh, and if you want to fudge it, it's a great fudge um, because there are, the buy lines are almost horizontal and there was a couple which can point down towards you know the last the last high point and the one to its right can point down to a buy towards the time when it's the, the upturn started and you would have made money if you did that but um, I didn't include it as a fudge at the time so I've got the chart in front of me I see the first high point as being January 2018 at about a buck30 let me just call it up hang on I don't know how it can have gone off the edge of the chart the chart is only three years old. Yeah, the, originally I had a, a high point one going back. I've oh geez, I've erased, erased it now. It was going back six months before that. There is nothing <laughs> six months before that. <laughs> in Stock Doctor, it it only starts in December twenty seventeen. Yeah, you're right. Hang on. So I had how many espresso martinis me, have you had today, Tony? That's what we need no, to know. Me, hang on, let me just go and call up my spreadsheet and have a look. Here we go. They were listed in December twenty seventeen. Yeah, so I've currently got um, – yeah, hang on. I have done the right thing. What am I talking about? Martinis. This has changed from what I looked at Same. this morning again, preparing for the show. Okay, let me start from from scratch. Take two. <laughs> High point is January 18 yep. at $1.30. Yep. Yep. And that's what I had in my, um, in my spreadsheet, but mm. for some reason that went missing this morning. See, that's what I'm here for, Tony, is just to, you know, <laughs> just correct your mistakes. Uh, yeah, good. I, I need that. I'm here to check your work. That's my job. Good. So let's, <laughs> Whilst let's it may let's, often can appear, I re- can I retake the test, please, teacher? It may it often, <laughs> while, while it may often appear to the casual observer that you're the one correcting my mistakes, and when I say right. our portfolio went up by 42, percent you went, nah, no, no, <laughs> it didn't really. Uh, yeah. So the high point, January uh, 2018. What are you using for the second? Are you going all the way to December 2020? The most recent? No, so I'm okay. using August 18. Right. Okay, that nice little uh, peak there. So... Yeah. And buy price is 92 cents. That's what I had on Friday. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. That that high point on January 18 wasn't there when I checked it again this morning <sighs> for some reason. I'm not sure why. <sighs> so I was using the next high point in April 18. Right. And that was giving me a higher buy price. So I apologise. I was right on Friday. National Tire and Wheel is our stock of the week. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, this this was your um, you're reminding me of Albert Einstein and the universal constant there. Oh right, my my big error. Yeah, you know that story. We've talked about this before. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. Tell it again if you want. It's a good story. I love it. I tell it at least once a week to somebody. Uh, <laughs> in 1900. <laughs> Four, five, whenever it was, Einstein came up with his special theory of relativity. One of the things that the math seemed to indicate that the universe was expanding, but he knew, as everyone knew back then, that the universe wasn't expanding. It was static. It had always been this size. It was always going to be this size. 
So he fudged it. He created something called the universal constant, which basically fudged his own maths to make it look like the universe wasn't expanding. And I think it was a few years later that Hubble said, hey, look at that. The universe is expanding. <laughs> and Einstein had to go back with his, his eraser and go, oh, just rub that out and hope nobody noticed that I uh, – even Einstein went, well – my maths can't possibly be right. That just goes against common knowledge. The universe isn't expanding. And I love it. I love the fact that even Einstein had a moment of self-doubt when he was like, well, I can't possibly be right. That that must be a mistake and had to go back and uh, he had to fudge it and then he had to fudge the fudge. Mm. Yep. Well, I'm glad that he also fudges things. <laughs> So, yeah. All right. Yeah, so sorry. So sorry. I stand by my original recommendation on Friday. NT is the stock of the week. Thank you to Damien Parker. Yes. yes. <coughs> and Damien did some um, good research on that. What do they what do they do National Tire and Wheel with a with a with a you know name like that? I I can't even begin to imagine. Yeah. yeah they sell tires and wheels. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, they do. Uh, company brands are called Cooper, Tears, Mickey Thompson, Dynamic Wheel, Dick Kepik, Starfire Tires, Mayhem Wheels, etc., etc. So they basically they import them, uh, import tires and wheels from overseas, and then, and then sell them. So they are, they're basically a wholesaler. They offer um, a lot of their to a lot of their tires go through other chains, mm-hmm. and. Uh, what else do they have? Let's see. No, that's about it. Um, Average daily trade is relatively low, 56,000. Yeah, pretty small. Market cap, 108 million, so it's not a huge one. Right. Yeah. And as I said before, this you know, this could have been a fudge because um, we could have used the, the two right-hand peaks there, mm-hmm. given that the, um, the byline was a long way from the share price. Mm. And we would have gotten in, you know, way back probably in about June when it started to turn up, but we would have taken risk as well to do that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it started, it, it yeah, so, bottomed out in April at 25 cents, now at 94 cents. So it's had a good run mm-hmm. over the last whatever, eight months, nine months. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was going down before COVID, though, so that was probably the um, mm. one of the reasons why I didn't fudge it. If it had have just gone down in COVID, I might have been more inclined to fudge it, mm. but uh, mm. there was something else going on there, mm. which I wasn't aware of. Yeah, yeah, it took a big drop in around about August 2018, dropped from dollar twenty two down to forty cents over a period of six months. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So that's National Tire and Wheel. The other one I was going to talk about was Michael Hill Jewelers uh, and, and JB Hi-Fi. They both come out with trading updates um, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And sales are up in both, as you'd expect, uh, because they're comparing themselves now to a period that had COVID in it. And uh, they've had, But they both had good Christmases and their, their share prices are up. So Michael Hill Jewelers is on the buy list. It's up was up 7% on Friday. I haven't checked it today. Monday, seventy-two cents today. Uh, dropped to dropped to one point three seven percent so far, but mm. yeah, it was up seven percent after announcing the good Christmas sales, and uh, and they expect that uh, their earnings will be up. So we're actually in confession season, Cam. I should have mentioned that before too. Right, coming up before February when they start to um, actually tell us their results. The companies like uh, Michael Hills and JB Hi-Fi are coming out with their sales. Because they've, you know, it's pretty easy to calculate your sales. A bit harder. It takes a bit more time to do profit, the P and L and balance sheet. But their sales are out, 
and uh, that's why they're announcing them now, and they're both good. So JB Hi-Fi, I think it was on the, the buy list for a short while, and it dropped off again as the share price has risen, but it's going up as, as well. It's been uh, seems to have also floated late 2016, uh, reached its peak not long after that, uh, August 2016 at $1.68, and has sort of been steadily falling ever since, right down to the COVID cough, when it hit 20. You're talking about Michael Hill? Yes, Michael Hill. Sorry. Yes, when so, it hit yep. 26 cents. Uh, no, 20, 24, 25 cents. Um, now it's up to 72, so it's been coming back nice and strongly, but, you know, had bad sentiment for a long time there. It did. Yeah, it's always scored well, though. It's always had a good uh, quality score, Michael Hill Jewelers. So it's, I would expect it's a well-run company. Um, it was obviously founded by Michael Hill. I think he may have stepped back now. Yeah, I know it's definitely run by somebody else. He may be a, uh, the chairman or on the board. Uh, so it's always been sort of on the watch list, but uh, it's only now that it's coming onto the buy list. I did a marketing pitch to Michael Hill Jewelers about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when I was working at an ad agency here in Brisbane. My uh, suggestion to them was early days of social media. This was like, you know, 2010, something like that. And and my pitch to them was they should we should create a competition where people get to design their own piece of jewellery. And everyone submits their jewellery, hashtag it, something, MHJ, MHJ, tag, you know, design competition, whatever. And that the winner, the best design, uh, got their piece of jewellery made for them and also the, the store would sell it, make it make it commercial. We have a big thing about it. They never went with it. So they didn't like my idea. So, you know, I've always sort of frowned every time I've walked past a Michael Hill jeweler shop ever since. I took it <laughs> took it deeply personally that they didn't like my I thought it was I thought it was very clever. Yeah, and that's that kind of marketing you see it all the time now, and particularly in branded goods like you know, develop a new flavor for chips for Samboy or yeah, or Arnott's or you know, the new flavor of Paddle Pop. Yeah, and they, they make it for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anywho, Michael Hill Jewelers, what's mm-hmm. their score on the buy list now? Michael Hill, sorry, I haven't uh, called it up. I've actually got it in the watch list by the looks of it, and in the buy list, it's in both. Along with, I think right. NZO is also in both too. It's a question we've got later on in the show. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be in both though, right? Should be one or the other. No, no. The watch, the buy list is a subset of the watch list. Really? The watch list is uh, companies that have price to operating cash flow less than seven, but don't score well enough on sentiment or audit to um, to get into the buy list. Right, but if they're on the buy list, should they be? Shouldn't they be removed from the watch list? Oh, if you want to do more work, yeah. <laughs> we can do more work, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I create the buy list in my spreadsheet by copying the watch list into another tab and then sorting it. Okay. Sorting it on three point trend sentiment, sorting it on whether it has a qualified audit, and then sorting it on the QAV score. So. Uh. It's a, it's a subset okay. of the uh, watch list. I thought you, you know, I thought they, they were different. Okay. All right. Good to know. Well, that explains that question. Um, so, Michael Hill Jeweler in the uh, buy list, uh, where was it? There's 0.26. 0.26, yeah. Just got to it too. Hmm. Not too yeah. bad. So, what's that, about halfway along? Hmm. Well, look at the one above it. Hmm. 
Equesi Mining, directors own 934,118% of the stock, according to Stock Doctor. Uh, yeah, so good as for you know, them. they're looking into that yeah, for us. Doing very well, wow. Um, <laughs> okay, MHJ, what else have you got for us? What was the other one you no, said? No, that's it. You said another one, sorry, there. I didn't do the chart for the second one. What was the second one you said, MHJ, and something else? I said JB Hi-Fi. Oh, right. Um, I was just... Uh, which has been on the buy list. It's not on the buy list anymore because the share price is rising. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's an interesting, interesting sort of thing I've noticed is that we do get uh, from time to time what I'll call a blue chip company like a JB Hi-Fi comes onto the bottom of the buy list, might get a score of 0. 0.1, 0. 0.12, something like that, but then the share price rises uh, quickly after that and we lose it from the buy list. So mm. I think from time to time people should pay attention to what's come onto the bottom of the buy list and if it's a good solid company like that, they might want to consider buying it even though it's not near the top of the buy list. Wow. Okay. I'm looking at the chart for – I wanted to talk to you about the chart for Michael Hill, but let's do JB because it's got it open in front of me. So you're taking the high point around about whatever there is, July. Hang on. Let me call it up. Hit its hit its Maybe hit its high point uh, end of August. Sorry, fifty dollars thirty two, and now it's currently trading at fifty two dollars oh seven. So, um, what do you what would you take as the second high point there? Uh, October, I guess. Yeah. So or yeah, December. So you wouldn't use no? the the high point is the current point, but I wouldn't use it. I'd go hmm. back to uh, August. Yeah, and then I would use. The next one to the right, which is October. October. Yeah. 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 So it was a buy briefly in December for us, I think, and it's probably – I think it's now gone too high for us. It's fallen off the buy list again. But I just wanted to – I guess I was raising it because like Michael Hill, some of the retailers are coming out with good results during confession season of all forecasting good results. Mm. So it's a sector we might uh, want to pay attention to during reporting season. Well, with Michael Hill, the high point is pretty obvious. Back in August 2016, $1.68. Uh, what are you taking? What would you take as the second point for this one? Would you take January 2018 or would you come down a bit? I don't think you could. Or would you do like December 2020? Michael, well, yeah. So definitely the high point's obvious. That's back in uh, August 16. Uh, so then I'm just going to run a ruler across all those high points going down as it, as it was a falling knife. Mm. And then the one that, uh, you know, the one that allows the ruler not to have a line cross it but still beyond the line is back at January 2020. So that's my second point, not, high point. Not uh, like December 2020? What did you say? Oh, sorry. Uh, it said January 2020. Do you mean December 19? No. I mean December twenty twenty, where it just it just sort of peaked and went back up. So I guess it's not really a peak. No, December nineteen or January twenty twenty. January twenty twenty, I'm using as a second high point. Okay. Yep. And so then it crosses during that upswing, which is uh, probably crossed around October twenty twenty. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Jolly good, and the sell line's pretty obvious. Yeah. It's it's staying above it for now, but it's it's not too far above it. So it could be a you know one of those rising Schrodingers, but it's not at the moment. It's good. Yeah. Okay. 
Thank you, Tony. Questions? Will we get on to the questions? Yeah, sure. Cool. Here's a flurry of questions. From- oh, I'm sorry. Mm. I'm not having a good day, am I? <laughs> just uh, Before we go on the questions, something I wanted to just mention was that uh, I noticed recently in Index Mundi that natural gas has had a three-point upturn as a commodity as well. And the two stocks that we've well that we've had in the past on the bio, so I think they may have well, I should check. Anyway, the two stocks that, that we've talked about before, which have natural natural gas as a product, are Santos and Beach Petroleum, Beach Energy. Sorry, BPT so and STO. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to see if they're on the buy list still. No, Santos has slipped. I think they've both slipped off now. Hmm. Beach has just slipped off. It's um the next stock on the watch list. So. Uh, yeah, people might want to go back and revisit those. They're not on the buy list, but uh, I expect if the natural gas price still keeps going up, they'll get some strong support from here. And probably the support they've had recently is because of because of that rising gas price. Right. Okay. I promise that's it. <laughs> What's going on with uh, Perseus Mining? Do you know? No. Why? What's happened? Well, I just uh, – not Perseus, sorry. SSR Mining, the old AQG. Um, well, they merged whatever with AQG. I just noticed that in our uh, Google sheet that its price has come back down a lot lately. It's dropped from 27 28 bucks down to 21 yeah, there's a bit of a sell-off going on in the gold miners at the moment. The gold prices dropped back from around 2000 into the 1800s. Right. US um, an ounce. So, uh, yeah, they, they pulled back a bit. Um, it happens with these commodity prices. But I'm I'm not worried about gold at the moment. It's, it's a long way off its three-point sell line, and so are these miners. And I'm also, you know, gold's a... Gold miners is also a good insurance bet on something going wrong this year because as soon as if inflation does rear its head, if uh, the vaccine doesn't work, if people you know can't travel like they used to, I think anything that happens this year is going yeah that that sort of rocks the boat. We'll probably see a rise in the gold price, which will start to support these shares again. Nothing's going to happen this year, Tony. Smooth sailing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Smooth sailing. I, don't know, I wouldn't worry. It's still going to be fine. Well, Biden's, Biden surrounded every capital in the US with armed guards, so we should all be fine, shouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's. I think that's how you know that nothing bad's going to happen this year. It's so good when he's got yeah. twenty five thousand <laughs> heavily armed guys in Washington. Uh, you know, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good year. Off to a good start. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the uh, premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. 
Uh, you get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. So, and also we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week. We send out as well with some stuff in it. So. Check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you want to, you're trying to figure out what's going on, go back and listen to season three, episodes one, three, and five, 301, 303, and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to season one as well, all of the free episodes in season one, where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, the other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or a tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week.